Am I okay? Yeah. Uh, please give me um, Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. And uh, what I'd like you to do tonight, please uh, make a covenant with the scriptures. That's God, okay? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Agree with him tonight and make a covenant. He says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirit with a word and healed all who were sick. He healed all who were sick. Next verse. That, the script, that it might be fulfilled, the scripture might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He himself. All Jesus did that night was fulfilling scriptures, what was written by Isaiah. His word remains forever. Forever, O oh Lord, the word is settled. It's settled in heaven. And we need to settle that in our own heart and make a covenant with him. I hear this word cancer and something in me really revolts. I hate it. I just don't like it. Your body is God's temple. And we don't, my body is not for cancer. My body is to glorify God. So tonight, you're going to stand up with me tonight and tell your body, cancer, you can't be a part of my life. You can't come into this body. I need you to believe God with me. Because that scripture is still being fulfilled. If you were part of the sick on that same night, you would have been healed. And Jesus did it to fulfill scripture. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And where two or three are gathered together in his name, he is in the midst of them, and he will fulfill the scripture Isaiah, his prophet, prophesied in the Old Testament. So tonight, please stand up with me. Tell your body, you are not cancer, you are not welcome here. Say it, say it, you have to say it. Christianity is the same thing. Cancer, you cannot get in this body. You are not welcome here. My body is too hot for you. You can't stay in me. You let the scripture be established. Cancer is not for my body. My body is for the Lord. And we have to declare that. This is the same spirit of faith. As it is written, I believe. Therefore, I have spoken. We also believe. And we speak what God has said. That scripture is being fulfilled tonight. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus opened that scripture, uh, Isaiah 61, and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And that night he told them, or that day, he told them, This scripture is being fulfilled right now before your eyes. And so we take authority over sickness and disease. And it's according to your faith. Sometimes, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent ones take it by force. 
Satan will not let go until you tell the enemy, you're not welcome here, you're not welcome into my body, you're not welcome into my home. And the Bible tells us, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So what are you resisting him for? What? Sin? That's all we think about. No. Sickness also. Sickness also. We all, when we hear those scriptures, all we think about is sin, sin, sin. Resist the devil so that I don't fall into sin. As God, deliver me. Satan is pulling my leg. I'm going to resist. No, it's not just sin. It's sickness and disease. It's your finances. It's everything for which Jesus died. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. We must think on these things. We must think on these things. Otherwise, we'll just sit back and let Satan just ride all over us. But the Bible tells us, uh, Luke 10, verse 19, Behold, I give you authority. That's what he tells us. He's giving us the power to tread on serpents and on scorpions. And power over all of the powers of the enemy. And then he concluded, and nothing, that includes cancer, that includes cancer, nothing shall by any means, I mean any means. And you say, well, if Jesus lied. Don't you say that. Jesus cannot lie. He told the truth. Well, if you believe that, why don't you accept it? Nothing shall by any means, any means hurt you. My people perish for lack of knowledge. But if you know it, stand on the word. And I believe that you can say this word because the Bible says, decree a thing and it shall be established. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence. You're not fighting with God. You take what belongs to you what Jesus fulfilled years ago. We have to declare that. Does it mean Satan is not coming with his fight? Yeah. That's why we resist. We resist not just sin. It includes everything that God has given to us. Amen. Okay. Since you're standing, give me that scripture. That Isaiah 50, verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. Tonight, I want to ask a question. Are you God's servant? Are you God's servant? Servant of God. You see... There, there was a song that was popular. I think they're still singing it. I am a friend of God. Remember that song? I am. A, I bet I enjoyed that song. We don't play it very much. But I enjoyed that song. I am a friend of God. Because Jesus made it clear. A servant doesn't know. A servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I call you friends. I call you friends. And that's, that's important to know. But what shocked me is, even though Jesus had said that to all of his disciples, and they heard it, and they understood it, 
And they knew that, that they were children of God. But when you read the letters of Paul, when he introduces himself, he never says, I'm a friend of God. He calls himself a servant. If you can read through the epistle, you can't find anyone that will use a friend. They were all servants of the living God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says this. Paul, introducing himself, Paul, a bond servant. That word servant there is dublos, meaning one owned by another. One owned by another. The possession of another. And he loved calling himself that. Love slave of Jesus Christ. He called himself a love slave of Jesus Christ. And he is pulling out from Exodus chapter 21 from verse 2 through 6. Willingly holding to the master as a slave. But that scripture actually says, if you love your master, even though you're free to go, you can declare, I love this master. I still want to be his slave or his servant. And so Paul drew from that, and that's what he calls himself. The love slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. A love slave. That's the way he introduced himself. And he is also an apostle separated to the gospel of God. He understood that. Now, we need to understand what this is. In this time, the time of Paul, uh, in the time of the apostles, if you are a servant of a highly placed person, just the servant of a highly placed person, you have more status, you have more authority, and a greater freedom than a commoner. If you want to go back, think about the cupbearer for Nebuchadnezzar. Right? Yeah. They have a separate prison for those kind of people. They were very important. But to the master, he's just a slave. So this was important. Now, again, you'll see that with James and Jude, the brothers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in Galatians, Paul will, I think Galatians 1 verse 19, Paul will actually refer to James as the brother of the Lord. It refers to him, the brother of the Lord. And everybody referred to James as the brother of the Lord. But James doesn't think that of himself. If you read in James, James says, James, a bond servant, or the same word that Paul was using. I'm a slave, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. His brother that he grew up with. A servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jude did exactly the same. Jude is a brother of Jesus. They grew up together in the same home. Half brother. But Jude introduces himself in Jude 1 verse 1. He said, Jude, a bronze servant of Jesus Christ. I am a love slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he tells you who he is. The brother of James. Okay? So you don't mistake that. 
Servanthood is very important with regards to the kingdom of God. Servanthood is what's missing today in the church. Most Christians are self-centered. It's all about selfishness. They get easily hurt because they were not treated right. They get bitter. There's no servant. There's no desire. It's not about the other people. It's about me and what I like. Let me give you a little bit. That's why Jesus said, this thing about servanthood is eternal. It's eternal. It's divine. It's very important. Moses, we'll come into that. Moses, all through scripture. Moses, whenever they refer to Moses, guess what they say? The servant of the Lord. It's divine. It's about service. It's so important. He was the servant of the Lord. And guess who was the meekest on earth? We don't know the number of people that were on the earth at that time. But it was the servant of the Lord that the Bible says was the most humble person in the whole earth. Among the millions, God picked the one to serve. Service. Humility. Giving of yourself. Moses said to God as a servant, remember what he was saying? The people have sinned, right? They have sinned. And God says, let me go. It's as if Moses was holding God. Just his presence was stopping God from destroying the people. God said, get out of the way and I'll kill all of them. God says, Moses said, no, you can't do that. Take my name off. That's a servant. It wasn't about Moses. It was about them. It wasn't about me. It was about the people. It's not how I feel. This is what is wrong. It's not what the church can give to you. It's what you can do to help people. That's servanthood. And if you love God and God is working in you, you love people, you are willing to lay your life down just like Moses for them. You are willing to take the filliest job in church to promote his kingdom. Don't bother you. Because it's all about people, about God, loving them and humbling yourself. I don't want to be first. What can I do to add to what God is doing here to make it better the way God wants it? How can I contribute to make it better? It's not what the church can give to me to make me feel good. Not position. It's about what I can give. Servanthood is divine. That's what's important to God. Servanthood. Let me say this, and you know the scriptures real well. His servanthood that's going to be rewarded on the day of judgment when God brings a word, servanthood. Remember? Thou good and faithful child of God. Is that? No. Thou good and what? Faithful servant. 
is servanthood that God's going to reward. You were called to serve. Not to be a pastor, that's good also, but you serve in the kingdom. You serve your brothers and sisters, that's how you serve God. You serve his kingdom. You know, everyone has been given a talent. Maybe talents for some of us. Talents. And God knows what you are able to do. For some, it's five talents. For others, it's just two talents. And for some, it's just one. But he expects you to serve. That's what they were rewarded for. They were not rewarded for doing business. That's the suggestion of the scripture. Doing business and gaining more. But when he rewarded them, he rewarded them as servants. That's the reward. Servanthood. That's what's important in the church. Servanthood. Thou good and faithful servant. I have the scripture, but can we put the scripture up? Yeah. Matthew 25. He says, So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, it, it seems like business yet, right? It, it, it was business. But that's not what God, this thing, the kingdom of God is all about. It's about service. Notice, and, and I don't want to go reading the scriptures because we know the scriptures, the guy who had two talents received the same commendation as the other one that had five, five talents. He was huge. Few was given to you. Now you can be over many. That's what was said. Good and faithful. So there is the goodness of it and the faithfulness of it. Not just the faithful servant. You can faithful but not good because you're mean. Good and faithful. Good and faithful. But the key thing there is servanthood. Will God consider you a servant? Who are you serving? What's the motive for service? What are you trying to accomplish? You know, for me, as I prepare this message, you know, I said, God, I, 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 I need some fire in my belly. Yes, I really do. We're all going through this together. I need you pour out your love more upon me. I want more. I want more. Because the service must be born out of love. You see, when you love and you're serving, your problems are not there. (laughs) When you're serving people, your problems are not there. When you focus on yourself, the problems get greater. Others are going through stuff. But when you spend time trying to help people, serving them, it seems as your problem is nothing. I've got this story of this woman who thought her husband was from the pits of hell. And she went out to a, 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 a women's, some kind of a conference or something of a get-together of women that talked about, you know, uh, how you can be healed from everything that's happening to you from your husband. And she thought her husband was really bad and she was going to let them know how bad her husband was. 
yeah, you know, and then she sat down in the, you know, they were in a circle, and, and, and one lady started, and she was like, huh? He did that to you? And it was a horrible thing she was hearing. And then the next woman came with another bad thing about her husband. And, and, and one after the other, they were talking about how horrible their husbands were. And she said, my husband is good. <laughs> he doesn't do any of this stuff. And when he got to her tone, she said, I'm sorry, guys. I have no problem. <laughs> she walked out. Okay. When you're focusing on yourself, it's really huge. But when you focus on what is happening to others, they need help. It's about servanthood. It's about serving the Lord. There's something that's funny when it comes to servanthood. Many times Christians say, well, I don't think I have anything to offer. Really? Really? You know the, the trouble with the servant that had one talent? He buried it. He buried it. Listen, if you think what you have is not good enough, team up with somebody else. Team up with somebody. That's why the churches. You can't, one person can do it all. If he had said to the guy who had two, hey, I got only one, can, can we work together? You think the other guy would have said, no, I want to show the master how great I am. No, they would have worked together. The guy gained two, right? From two. Now, if he had teamed up with him, two better than one. They could have made more. And he would have received a great word from, this, from the master. He didn't do that. He buried it. And that's what's happening in the church. They have talent, but they won't serve. They don't think they have anything to offer. But if you are a child of God, you have something to give to the house of God. Just find what you can do. Team up with people. Don't bury the talent because you're thinking, I don't have anything to offer. Believe me, there's somebody that will listen to you. But if it's constantly about you, that's self-centeredness, and you will never grow. In servanthood. With God. Servanthood is, is, like I said, is, is divine from God. Notice something. Why is not something terrible for us to want to, to accept and walk in? Because Jesus was the servant of Jehovah. And he was sent. Remember? He was sent. And I believe this third person, but he wasn't inferior to his father. Right? But he was servant of Jehovah. And he constantly said, the father who sent me. The father who sent me. Because... If you are a servant, you have something to do. You are sent to accomplish something for the master. That's why we are servants. And the Holy Spirit 
if you put the word, if the word is not used, it's almost like a servant to the Father and the Son because he was sent. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, let me put it this way so you can understand. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, when he is come, he will teach you all things. He will not speak for himself. You remember that? What he hears, that is what he's going to speak. Who's going to be telling him? Jesus. He can't do anything on his own. In fact, Jesus said, you can't sin against the Father, you'll be forgiven. And against the Son, you'll be forgiven. But the Holy Spirit, he's gentle one, your sins will not be forgiven. He receives instruction from the Father and won't speak on his own. And Jesus himself made it clear. He was servant of Jehovah. The words I speak, they're not mine. Basically, a servant is to do, to have just one purpose in life, to please the master. Nothing else. Only what the master wants. He says, the works that I, you see me do, they're not mine. He is the one that's doing the work. And people say, well, we don't see him. We see you doing the work. No, even his words. Even his words. That's the servant. That's what Paul was saying. I've sold myself to him and only what he wants, I'm going to do. Only what he wants. Nothing more. I remember because we are servants and the Holy Spirit is over us. And we get to listen to him. We get in trouble when we don't listen to him. That's why Romans chapter 8 verse 26, he tells us, as many as, I mean, uh, 26, that's a different scripture. Romans chapter, verse 14. As many as are read, led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You have to be led by the Spirit. He has to lead you. So if he's not leading you, you're doing your own thing, you're not listening to him, you're not his servant. He is the one in charge. The Holy Spirit was the one that said, separate from me, Paul and Barnabas, or Saul and Barnabas, for the work that I've called them to. He is the one that's in charge. He is the master for us. We are his servant. And he is God. We listen to him. If you want good uh, words from the Lord, commending you for what you've done, listen to what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. He's in charge. Let me read this scripture. Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 12. Again, you see the idea of servanthood here. Uh, Jesus, I just healed a man that had a withered hand. And he did it on the Sabbath day. And um, they, they were not happy with him for doing that. And they plotted to kill him. He didn't argue with them. Notice what he says. But when Jesus knew it, when Jesus knew that they were planning to kill him, he withdrew from there. No sure. It wasn't about him. It was about the Father. He didn't argue with them. He knew they were about to do that. He's the Son of God. Like James and John, shall we call fire from heaven and burn them? That's not Jesus. And Jesus told them, you don't know what kind of spirit you are. We don't do that. That service. We came to serve them. He died for them. They were planning to kill him. He left. 
left town, went somewhere else. That's what we are called to do. He went somewhere else. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Yet, he warned them not to make him known. What is that? Not about me. Not about me. It's all about the master who sent me. That's what they say. I used to think he just has a reason. He, it wasn't about him. <laughs> we like to advertise uh, every little thing God has done for us. And many times we should be really careful. Are you trying to help people with those testimonies? Or it's about you? That's the question. I can testify. But let it be to serve them. So that they can have faith. But it's about how great I am doing. You missed it. You missed it. And he knows. That's why I have to ask him. You know, stand God over my heart. But see, Jesus said, don't, don't make me known. Not because he was afraid of the, his enemies. He just doesn't want that. It's got to be that it might be fulfilled. Listen, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, now, so he's fulfilling the prophecy, right? He's fulfilling the prophecy when he told them, don't let me, I don't want you to spread it about me. Right? Isaiah the prophet saying, Behold, what is he called? My servant. He's God's servant. My servant whom I have chosen. My beloved. Remember he talked about him. This is my only, my only begotten, a beloved son. His beloved son. The one in whom he is well pleased. That scripture is wrong. Quote it there. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. Declare justice to the Gentiles? This is a curious thing. I don't think uh, the disciples understood it, but he was saying, justice, salvation for us. For us, Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out. That's what he avoided. It's all about service. Uh, nor will anyone hear his voice in the street. He's not arguing with anybody. It's not about him. A bruised reed he will not break. A bruised reed he will not break. In other words, it's about servanthood. A reed usually will grow up, right? Straight up. Yeah. But when it's bruised, guess what? It's not able to go up. He's not. He, his job is to serve them, make them, put them back together so they go up. That's servanthood. That's what you see in people. You don't crush them like you talk about Christians. They are the ones that kill their wounded. Right? You heard about that? Only Christians killed their wounded in the war. They, he said, you, you've been hurt. I think we just let you die then. They killed them. But the bruised reed, a bruised reed, he will not break. A smoking flask, he will not quench. 
smoking black in the week, you know, like in that time, the week, when the week is not working well, instead of giving light, guess what it does? All you see is smoke. He's not going to put it out. He fixed it, he said. Service. That's what he came. That's the servant of Jehovah. That's the servant of God. And that's what we, we should emulate him. Not, not judge people, speak evil of them, instead of praying for them and raising them up. That's our duty as, as, a, as children of God, as servants of the, of the Lord. We, we w- w- want the best for all of them. You can read there First uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 13. That's love. All of it has to be born out of love for them as we serve them. Calisthenes for justice to victory and his name and in his name the Gentiles will trust. That's what's happened to us today because of everything that he's accomplished. He actually gave his life for us to serve in us. And today we trust him because he was willing to lay down his own life so that I can have life. He served us. In my mind, I see, you know, the picture of Jesus through service. They've been walking, you know the story, they've been walking all over the place, feet dirty in their time with sandals, walking in the mud or, you know, if it's dry, if you go back to my country, I mean, the streets are not like what you have in some areas. It's pretty filthy. When you get home, your feet, feet caked with dirt. And Jesus was serving them by washing their feet. We do it, some churches do that. He was serving them. Can you imagine God himself putting a towel to wash your feet? I'm sure those guys didn't know. They, they knew that was Messiah. I'm sure they were very uncomfortable. But Jesus wasn't. A demonstration of servanthood. And he told them clearly, you call me Lord and Master, and that's who I am. Learn from my example. Learn from my example. Serve. Serve people. Go all the way to serve people. That servanthood is divine. Um, The greatest, and you know the scriptures, I'm just reminding you what you already know. The greatest in the kingdom are servants. You know, it's funny when people come to a church, and if they've been in another church, and they consider themselves mature Christians. And so as soon as they come, they want some position. It doesn't work that way. The way to leadership, servanthood. I, I know this year, for those that are busy running around 
they may not have title, but they are busy trying to get things together to for the service. They're busy in the house of God, and new people come. They, they're not called pastor, but they notice this guy that is running or a woman that is running trying to get things. When they have questions, guess who they go to? The servant. That's the leader. We, we get it all backward. That's what Jesus says. If you want to be great in the kingdom, what you supposed to be? Servant of all. That's who they go to. I've watched it here. They don't come to me. They go to that guy who is busy setting up stuff and doing stuff. And they go to those ones. Because in the mind, if I want to know what's going on here, I need to talk to this guy. That's the leader. You come and you say, well, I do this and I have this gift. They're not coming to you. They want to talk to that guy who is serving. That's where leadership is all about. If you want to be at the top, serve, and you think it's just human, now that's the way God sees it. It's the one that is serving that's the true leader before in the house of God. Not the one who is getting the glory and doing basically not much. If God wants to do something, something unique, some, I, I got to go back. Do you remember Joshua? Joshua was not, Joshua was not chosen among the 70, right? Joshua wasn't chosen. When God said, call 70 people and put the anointing of Moses on them, Joshua was not one of those. Neither was Caleb. Joshua was just the servant of Moses, the servant of God. Moses was the servant of God, and Joshua was the servant of Moses. He served served, uh, Moses all his life, faithfully. Guess who God picked when Moses had to leave? The servant is the one that's going to be on top. Because servanthood in the mind of God is divine. He's a servant. I've got to find something in the house of God to do. How can I assist what God is doing here with my talent? What God is giving to me? Maybe you can help some people receive baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's all you do. Everyone you meet, have you received the Holy Spirit? Not for yourself, because you want to bleep them up. Amen. And you can take them aside and show them. Not so they can look up to you. When they receive the Holy Spirit, they are grateful to God. They go on their way. When they have any question, guess what they do? They come right back to you. That servanthood in the house of God is so important um, that we serve. Luke uh, 22, verse 27, he says, For who is greater? He, this is Jesus speaking. Who is greater? He who sits at the table or he, he who serves? It is not he who sits at the table, yet I am among you as one who serves. I don't know what this situation, this scenario was, but it seems like they were sitting down and he was serving them. There is, um, I guess, there was a, a disciple that was mentored by T.L. Osborne, 
And uh, some of those from my country didn't know him. He's basically the father of Pentecost in Nigeria. Ben Sanaida was a, uh, I mean, this guy would talk to presidents, military presidents, and care. He was so bold. But they were telling me in his latter years, he gathered all these young ministers. And they would sit down, and he's putting their foot. And he was doing it joyfully, no sure. Just joyfully serving them, their food and all of that. They are all seated. They know who he is. He's what they call Papa. And he's serving them, giving them their food, and he's making jokes so that they're all comfortable. And they're laughing like they were made. This guy has built churches all around the world. And they said, those ministers said, Oh, we just love him. And they listened to him. They, one of the, back then, uh, one of the leaders uh, of the Christian movement in Nigeria, the, the, what the work God is doing there in Nigeria, I mean, this ministry probably have just, he said every time the man is going to do something, he goes back to this guy. And he kneels down and said, I need you to bless me before I go do this big work that I'm about to do. They respected him. He served them. He served them. That's what Christianity is all about. Not see what I can do. Let God make them see what you can do, but you serve. You serve. Servanthood is so important. I can guarantee you the one who is serving is the one that God is going to pick to do mighty works for him. I have other things I need to share, but just next time. Okay? Next Wednesday, we'll continue with this because I want to talk about the purpose of servanthood today for the believer. What are we supposed to be doing? And um, stand up with me tonight. I am very grateful to God this is all from my heart. I see a lot of people here. Some people come in the morning to pray and all of that. And uh, there are people in my mind over the years that to me, they have been a real blessing. And when I get to God, I will thank him here for them. But when I get there, I will thank God for sending them to me. Because this, what we're doing today just started with me and my wife. I never knew who was going to be a part in what God was saying for us to do. But thank God he's brought you here. I pray that God will give you understanding to, to know that the Ark Fellowship doesn't belong to me or my wife. This is God's work. This is God's work. And I, ask that, I pray that God will give you the heart to recognize we have to work together from the foundations of the world God knew you would be here and God knew every one of us would be together I have to do my part I'm going to let you know on the day of judgment your service here is going to come into play what you did we have to serve them we have to pray for them we have to bring them in Disciple them on your own, one-to-one. Take them in, not for yourself, 
Because sometimes people just want to bring people about me. No, it's about God, what God's doing. That's what it is. When you start bringing them for me, your motive is wrong. Satan is going to come in there. You started something that God's not endorsing. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do something. But do it with the right motive to help people. To help people so that they get to know him. He's the best way to live. I believe that's the best way to live. Helping people. May God fill our hearts with love for people. That's my prayer. I believe I have love for people. I want more. I really want more. And nothing to prove to anybody. That's what we should, you know, work out from in our hearts. I have nothing to prove. I just want to serve Jesus. And serving Jesus means loving people and serving them. And doing whatever it takes to serve them. I pray that God will put that in your heart tonight. Sometimes we minister and it's like, let me motivate them to do something that's not as important as surrender to God. Because I can't do it if he doesn't do it through me. He has to work through me. Would you lift your hands up to the Lord tonight and and ask God um, to show you how you can advance his kingdom. Whether here or somewhere else, it doesn't matter. It's not about the Ark Fellowship. It's about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what is important. I want to serve the Lord. And I want to do what is right by him. That's what is important. Father, I want to thank you, God. God, I ask that you help us as it was as it is written that Moses served his generation as a servant and he served them faithfully. God, we pray that you help us to serve in whatever capacity you've given to us to serve. Open our eyes to see and to recognize the talents you've placed in us that we can bring to the body of Christ, to edify the body of Christ so that the body can grow. Have mercy upon us, O God, in your great kindness and fill us with fire from above to do as you please. Help us to recognize fully that we are servants of the living God. We are servants of God just like Isaiah was servant of God. We are servants of God just as Moses was servant of God. Today we take their place on the earth. Help us to recognize the authority that goes with servanthood. We thank you for your love for us. Thank you that we are never condemned because that's not why you came. You came that we might be saved and that we might enjoy the abundant life that you brought from heaven. Help us to be determined to serve you faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.